The epistle for the eighth Sunday after Pentecost is taken from that of St. Paul to the Romans. Brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you shall die. But if by the Spirit you mortify the deeds of the flesh, you shall live. For whomsoever are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again in fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption of sons, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. For the Spirit himself gives testimony to our spirit that we are the sons of God, and if sons, heirs also, heirs indeed of God, and joint heirs with Christ. The Holy Gospel is taken from that of St. Luke. At that time, Jesus spoke to his disciples this parable. There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said to him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou canst be steward no longer. And the steward said within himself, What shall I do? Because my Lord has taken away from me the stewardship. To dig I am not able, to beg I am ashamed. I know what I will do, that when I shall be put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. Therefore, calling together every one of his Lord's debtors, he said to the first, How much do you owe my Lord? And he said, A hundred barrels of oil. And he said to him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? Who said, A hundred quarters of wheat. He said to him, Take thy bill and write eighty. And the Lord commended the unjust steward for as much as he had done wisely. For the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. And I say to you, Make unto you friends of the mammon of iniquity, that when you shall fail, they may receive you into everlasting dwellings. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. Make unto you friends of the mammon of iniquity, that when you shall fail, they may receive you into everlasting dwellings. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The parable of the unjust steward is one of the most exceedingly difficult parables in the entire gospel. And I confess, I was many years in seminary before I even was able to figure out what in the heck is going on in this parable. It's a very difficult parable. Parable. The first uh, time I read it, I had absolutely no idea what, what is going on. What, what is this, this, this unjust steward? And I didn't begin to kind of untangle um, the, the subtlety and the mystery of this parable until after I'd uh, been in seminary for a while and, and read a number of commentaries uh, in regards to the church fathers. There's different ways that you can interpret this parable, which I think uh, adds to kind of the, the difficulty of the parable is that it has multiple interpretations. But I think that the easiest one is that the rich man stands, of course, for our Lord in heaven who has entrusted his possessions, his lands, property, and so forth to a steward. And this steward does not live up to his responsibilities, and instead he abuses the goods that have been entrusted to him and uses them for his own benefit. 
and the other servants get together and inform the master that this steward has unjustly and wastefully abused the responsibility that was entrusted to him. And so the master comes and says, well, you can't be steward anymore because you have betrayed my trust and you've wasted my property uh, using it for your own amusements. So what does the steward do? He says, well, this is not so good for me. I'm going to be out on the streets without a job, and I've been accused of being unjust and irresponsible. Nobody's going to want to hire me, and I'll starve to death. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm fat and I'm lazy. I can't dig for a living, and I'm, I'm proud and I'm arrogant, so I'm too ashamed to beg for a living. So what can I do? So what does he do? He gives away, essentially, more property of the rich man. He calls the, the, the master's debtors to him, and he says, how much do you owe? And he says, I owe 100 barrels of oil. And he says, here, now you owe 50. So, in effect, he gave him 50 barrels of oil. He just forgave the debt. Then he calls another and he says, how much do you owe? And he says, I owe 100 quarters of wheat. And he says, now you owe 80. So he gives him essentially 20 quarters of wheat. Just, here you go. It's on me. And what happens? He ends up getting commended by the rich man. He says, you have done well. Because you provided for yourself after I put you out of the stewardship. Now you've got a couple of friends who owe you a favor who will take care of you after you're dismissed from the stewardship. Now, this only works in conjunction with the parable. I mean, that seems very mysterious. Why would the rich man commend this steward for having just given away 50 barrels of oil or or 20 measures of wheat? In, in a real-life scenario, he'd probably just get himself in a more hot water. For the, with, what do you think you're doing, just giving away my possessions? But if we understand the parable in context that the rich man, the, the master, is our Lord, God himself, and the steward who's been entrusted with his goods are you and I. Each and every individual soul is a steward of God's creation. All of the material blessings that we have, everything that we have, uh, our clothes, our food, our material possessions, our bodies, our souls, the virtues that we possess, the talents and abilities that we have, everything that we have, everything that we tend to point to and say, that's mine, or that's mine, or I have this, or I have that. In reality, all of that belongs to Almighty God, every last bit of it, because it all came from Him. And we're just stewards. We're we're in charge of it for a period of time. And then when we die, that stewardship is taken away. So when our Lord comes to the steward in the parable and he said, I am removing you from stewardship, the fathers of the church see that as basically that's the death of the soul. The soul dies and now he's going to be judged and have to give an account of his stewardship. How well 
Did you administer the material blessings that I gave to you while you were on earth? What, what did you do with those things? And what is the answer that our Lord wants to hear? He doesn't want to hear that we have wasted all of those material blessings on riotous living. That we've defrauded our neighbor, that we've lied and cheated and stolen, that we have simply uh, engaged in the frivolous pursuit of pleasure and idleness and ease, or the fruitless, uh, unsatisfying uh, pursuit of material prosperity at the expense of our neighbor. What does he want to hear? He wants to hear, how did you use the material blessings that I gave you in my service? Not in your service, in my service. And so our Lord gives us an example in this parable of how he wishes those material blessings to be used for the goods of others, for the good of others, for the good of our souls. By giving to the poor, by being charitable to our neighbor, by putting our own possessions at the use of others, this is pleasing to Almighty God. This is like when the steward gave the 50 barrels of oil to the debtor of our Lord. What was he doing? He was taking the goods that were placed under his care and giving them, in effect, to the poor. When he gave the, the 20 quarters of wheat, he was giving a portion of the substance that had been entrusted to him and giving it to the poor. He wasn't using it for his own benefit. He was giving it to someone else. And this is what our Lord wants us to do with the material blessings that we have, to put them to use in his service. St. Ignatius of Loyola, in his spiritual exercises, starts the spiritual exercises with the first principle and foundation. And he says this, this is the first principle and foundation for all uh, considerations. In terms of, this is in the context of you're making a retreat and you're making a retreat for the purposes of deciding what does God want me to do with my life or where do I go from here? So he gives the first principle and foundation. Man is created to praise, reverence, and serve our Lord, and by this means to save his soul. So our fundamental purpose in life, says St. Ignatius, is to praise, to reverence, and to serve God, our Lord, and by praising him, by reverencing him, and by serving him, by that means we then are able to save our soul. All the other things on the face of the earth are created for man to help him in attaining the end for which he is created. So all material blessings, all of creation, all created things have been given to man by God, created by God for man, in order to help him to praise, reverence, and serve God and save his soul. Therefore, says St. Ignatius, man is to make use of creatures insofar as they help him in the attainment of his end 
and he must rid himself of them insofar as they prove a hindrance to him. We must therefore make ourselves indifferent to all created things as far as we are allowed free choice and are not under any prohibition. Consequently, as far as we are concerned, we should not prefer, prefer health to sickness, riches to poverty, honor to dishonor, a long life to a short life, and the same holds true for all other things. Our one desire and choice should be what is more conducive to the end for which we are created. The first principle and foundation of St. Ignatius of Loyola. So when it comes to the management of those material blessings that God has given to us, this is the defining principle. What's going to help us save our soul? Does the possession or the use of this material good help me to save my soul, or is it a hindrance to my salvation? Is it an avenue of grace for me to have this thing, or is it an obstacle to grace for me to have this thing? What material blessings should I retain which help me to achieve my salvation? What material blessings do I have that I need to get rid of because they are hindering my attainment of salvation? This should be the attitude we have in which we approach all of our material possessions. Most of us could probably afford to live more simply. In the, in the United States, especially, it's extremely easy to fall into a consumeristic mentality and just collect things. But the more we collect things, the more stuff that we have, generally, the more worries we have, the more anxiety we have, because then we have to maintain it. We have to get a bigger house so we can move in. The more stuff that we have. And very oftentimes, this becomes an obstacle to the spiritual life because we're so tied up in maintaining our property that we forget to pray or we forget to set aside the necessary time for prayer and for God. And we're so busy taking, taking care of stuff that we don't need that it becomes, even though the, the, the item in itself, the material good in itself, is not anything sinful... It becomes an obstacle to grace because we're worried about it. How am I going to make the third car payment? How am I going to uh, I've got to spend time maintaining all of these recreational toys that I have? And God ends up getting slighted as a result. Not deliberately, just as an accident of owning all of these things. But when we rid ourselves of material objects, oftentimes we find that we rid ourselves of a lot of useless worry and anxiety. I remember when I entered seminary, it was a very liberating feeling because for the first time I, I owned nothing. And I had left home and... and was very successful in the business world and I owned a house and I owned lots of things and then when I went to seminary I just got rid of everything. I didn't want the baggage. It's like, well, I'm not going to need the house. I'm not going to need the car. I'm not going to need, you know, all these things. So I just got rid of it all 
And the next thing you know, all of my worldly possessions fit in a green army duffel bag. And I just remember standing, looking at the thing, and it, it was... It, it, was a, it was a very mysterious feeling. On the one hand, it was just kind of like, this is all I own. And yet at the same time, it was extraordinarily liberating because this is all I own. I could go anywhere. I could do anything. Because I don't have to worry. About, I don't, I'm not tied down to the mortgage payment or to the car payment or to all of these things that, uh, that chain you down. It's the same experience, I think, that many of the saints. You know, St. Francis of Assisi had his... Or he shed, even his clothes he shed and left them at his father's feet and walked into the desert naked so that he could serve God unfettered by material things. There was a, a woman who I, I remember I met um, many years ago. She lived in Oklahoma in a small town. And she lived in a trailer. She was very poor. And her trailer got wiped out by a tornado. I mean, it just swept away. And she had nothing left, not even a toothbrush. All her furniture was gone. All her pictures was gone. Her Elvis memorabilia collection was gone. All gone. Nothing left. And I, she was uh, very despondent and just kind of, you know, still in shock because this had happened very recently. And I ran into her again a few weeks later, and, and I said, are, you know, how are you doing? And she said, well, it's funny. I thought that I had lost everything in the tornado, but all of a sudden I discovered that I had so much more than what was in that trailer. Because after my friends and my family found out, all of a sudden, all of this stuff just appeared. A dining room table, a kitchen cutlery set, a sofa. My parents helped me get uh, rent on an apartment. And then all of a sudden, all of these items just started showing up. Pictures that I had given away years ago People remembered and they came back. And they gave me back all the stuff that I had given them. These were all things that she had given away to other people during her life. And all of a sudden, when these people heard about her tragedy, they responded by giving back to her the very things that she had given to them. And she said, I thought that that tornado had taken away everything I had. And what I found out was, you only really have what you give away. It was true for that young woman, and it's true in the spiritual life as well. All things belong to Almighty God. And when you give back to Him what He has given you, He rewards you a hundredfold. You only really have, you only truly possess that which you give away. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.